right. So this evening, we're going to talk about grace. Because we need God's grace. We do. We definitely cannot function without it. We can't survive without it. We need God's grace. But we have to understand what grace is. Grace is the givenness of spirit to its creation. Grace is the givenness of spirit to its creation. And it is not a special law, or but it is a specialized one. In other words, grace is, but we need to recognize it. It is not something God imposed upon us, but it is the logical result of the correct acceptance of life and of a correct relationship to the Spirit. We are to be saved by grace to the extent that we believe in, accept, and seek to embody the law of good. For the law of good is ever a law of liberty and never a law of limitation. So tonight we're going to talk about God's grace. The fact that we need God's grace. We are looking for three readers. The first one is 2 Corinthians 12 verses 6 to 9. The second is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 to 11. And the third is Job 23, verses 12 to 14. And all these scriptures focusing on grace. For tonight, we are talking about we need God's grace. So we're going to touch on living in grace. How you live in grace? Because you have to accept it. If you don't accept it, you can't receive it. So we're going to talk about living the life of grace. How do we do that? For we need God's grace. Tonight, we're looking at God's grace. All we need is God's grace. So the whole scripture this evening, the whole lesson plan, the whole everything is all around God's grace, living in His grace, recognizing His grace, accepting His grace, how to how to live with his grace, how to work it into our lives. So now we'll have the first reader. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he said me to be, or that he heareth of me. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This is the reading of the Lord. Praise be to God. Next reader. 
For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preached, and so you believe. Amen. Praise be to God. Next reader. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For he performeth the things that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, God is infinite. God is infinite. And God manifests itself in infinite forms and in infinite ways. So God is infinite. And God manifests itself in infinite forms and in infinite ways. God is consciousness and we therefore become aware of all those things necessary to our unfoldment through an activity of consciousness. All creation starts within us. We see, we hear, we taste, we touch and smell. But all these are all activities of consciousness manifested at different levels. Now, often in meditation, it is possible to see visions or to hear the small still voice. And then there are times when the presence makes itself known through the activity of smell and even of touch. You may find it strange to believe, but there is a certain odor. It's a fruity flower smell. I get, and I don't like to get it, because whenever I get it, it means pending danger. But we overcome the danger, but we just have to go through it. And I, I used to get it. I, I haven't gotten it in a long time. Praise God, I don't want to get it. I never suffer. We, we work through whatever the trial is. But it's just that it, it, it is a smell that something's going to happen. I remember we were in New York. And I tell Ralph, I can't shake this flower smell. Every time I go by this car, I'm getting the flower smell. Boom. We get a flat tire. So God will make himself known through the activity of smell and even touch many of you will feel as if somebody touch you on your shoulder we may feel a touch on the shoulder on the head or on the cheek at other times the fragrance of flowers may be noticed there is no way to limit God and feel that he can appear in one way only I want you to 
get that. I want you to be open and I want you to not to be superstitious and I want you to be free because God's grace is he's forever given us his grace but we have to recognize it and learn how to accept it. So God can appear in any form and probably we can understand that best by recalling what Joan of Arc says. Now all of us who had our early education in the Caribbean I don't know the U.S. education. We study Joan of Arc. And when they ask Joan of Arc, does God speak to you in French? Because Joan of Arc was from France. She said, her reply was, I do not know in what language God speaks, but I hear him in French. Does God speak as perfume or odors of voice or a touch? No. But we comprehend God in these ways. That is our interpretation of God's presence. Let us learn to accept God in whatever way and whatever form God appears to us. He appears when something happens, I get this fragrant, flowery smell. It doesn't mean that somebody else will get it. That They may get it and it means something else to them. So that is how you accept it. So let us learn to accept God in whatever way, in whatever form God appeared to us. How do we know that it's God? How do we know that it's not imagination? By the fruit and by the results. When we are indulging in vain imagination about our spiritual activity and spiritual works, it leaves us up in the air dangling in space so if you're indulging in in vain imagination and vain activities you're going to be up in the air dangling in space with no tangible results because that's not God working that's your thoughts working but when our experience is actually an experience of God we can know it by its fruits, and the fruits of the Spirit are joy, peace, prosperity, health, harmony, and love. Here are the fruits of the Spirit. Joy, peace, prosperity, health, harmony, and love. When the presence anoints itself, there comes with it a sense of serenity, a sense of tranquility, a peace which may translate itself into form. Everything has form, even thoughts. Everything has form. All substance must have a form, although not a form always visible to our human sense. And the higher we go in spiritual realization and unfoldment, the more we see the spiritual sense of form rather than its material sense and the more aware we are of spiritual reality for example a person with a purely material sense of life looks out and sees faces and figures and hats and dresses and suits and eyeglasses and earphones and all these things But as he rises higher and higher, 
he become less aware of these things and more aware of a look in the eye, a smile on the lips, a flick of the finger. He become less conscious of men and women as such and more aware of those outer symbols that express the inward being. Are you understanding me? We're talking about God's grace. So uh, as getting you to, to become sensitive to what is around you. Then there comes a state when he continues to rise above even that. And he is almost unaware of people as human beings. At that stage, he sense or realize the spiritual nature of their being. Our entire existence represents state and stages of consciousness. Hear me and try and understand me. Our en- entire existence represents states and stages of consciousness. In one state of consciousness, we do things one way. But as we evolve or develop spiritually into another state of consciousness, we do them in another way. For example, until we learn that God's grace is sufficient for us, We think we have to labor, to plot, and to plan our future. We worry, we fear, and we doubt. Perhaps we have all kinds of human anxieties and thoughts and fears about ourselves, our families, our futures. And here an idea is presented to us that God's grace is sufficient for us. So we full of all these fears, and then Pastor Gloria come and she tell you, look at what we read in first, Sister Doreen read in Second Corinthians, that God's grace is sufficient for us. We stop short and wonder, is that true? Does that really mean what it says? Does it really mean that God's grace is enough? Without my doing all this worrying and planning and thinking and scheming. Is that really true? Have I been wasting time and energy in useless thought taking when all the time there is a divine grace at hand that could provide my sufficiency? After you have done some thinking about this, you finally come to the conclusion that you will have to prove it yourself. Your problems are still with you, probably more than yesterday. But with each one, you bring to conscious remembrance this truth. Thy grace is sufficient for me. I had better stop worrying and bring anxiety and being anxious for a while. I will put off taking thought for tomorrow. Right now, I rest in the truth that God's grace is sufficient for me. So you relax and rest and you feel at peace. But that does not mean that tonight, tomorrow, or the day after, you're not going to have more anxious moments, more concern, more lack, more fear, or more pain. Then again, you remind yourself 
that God's grace is sufficient, that you must rest in that grace with no anxiety, no fear, no doubt or thought. You may go along that way for a month, three, four, five, six, and all this time you are meeting every appearance of discord with the remembrance that God's grace is sufficient even though the outward appearance were denied. Just a few days, weeks, or months, and lo and behold, you began to feel God's grace coming into expression in your experience. You find good coming to you that you had not humanly planned for. You find harmony and health coming to you. And at that moment, you may not be able to explain. But with the passage of time, it dawns in your consciousness. Why is it true? It is true. God's grace is sufficient. You start to believe. By this time, you have come to a place where you rest more in that sense of peace and no longer need to use many statements of truth it comes to you automatic ah but then perhaps there comes another problem this time it may be a great responsibility and you have the feeling that it is beyond your means your strength your time or perhaps your power to cope with it Along with that comes the remembrance of a passage. You heard the passage of scripture. And it says, He performed the thing that is appointed for me. So, the time may come when you have this great responsibility and you feel you can't cope. And then the passage of scripture that you heard he performed the thing that is appointed for me. That startles you for a minute. What? He performed it? You think you have been given this job or this work to do or you have been given this responsibility and yet scriptures say that he performed it? There again, while you go about the performance of your task, you are reminded very well I can do it because actually he performing it through me. It's not me doing the work. He is doing the work through me. Again, that responsibility drops from you. That rest comes. And soon you find that it is true. There is a he at the center of your being. He that is within you is greater than any responsibility is greater than any duty is greater than any demand that could come upon you from the world so while at first you may have been diligent in the use of your statements of truth and may have brought them to your awareness over and over and over again now you find that only occasionally do you have to remind yourself of them because now the words have given way 
to the actual awareness itself. And when you have the awareness, you do not need the words. This bring, bringing of statements of truth to conscious remembrance is called contemplative meditation. When you undertake this form of meditation, you may be at first be bringing to conscious remembrance every statement of truth you know. It may take you an hour to complete your part of this contemplative part of the meditation, that is, your vo- you voicing of the truth. Then you sit back and listen. And that part of meditation may be one minute, two minutes, three minutes, or five. As you continue this form of contemplative meditation, however, you will gradually get to the place where your part of it takes only five minutes and God's part takes a half hour. It just reverses itself. God keeps filling you with his truth. God keeps filling you with his realization of his presence. But you have made way for the spirit by your preparation through your contemplative meditation. Therefore, do not hesitate to bring to your consciousness remembrance every statement of truth you know until you have built your consciousness to where that is no longer necessary. You do not discard. You just evolve. You grow gradually from one form of meditation to another and from one state of consciousness to another. And in one time, you come to the place where it is only occasionally it seems necessary consciously to remember some truth. For the most part, truth is imparting itself to you from the infinite of your being, sometimes in the form of quotations that you already know, and very often in a form that you have never heard before. Eventually, you learn what it means to pray without ceasing. When that time comes, whenever you hear a news broadcast, see a headline, or somebody brings you bad news automatically, you just turn it off with a reminder that in God's kingdom, harmony alone reigns. In God's kingdom, harmony alone reigns. Wherever you may be, on the street or in the bus, in your office or in your home, when you witness sin, disease, lack, limitation, that you automatically realize, no, that can exist only as a picture in the human mind, not as part of God's kingdom. God's kingdom could never hold such pictures as that. And so, you are praying without ceasing. And yet, you are doing it without consciously going around declaring truth. 
except as the pictures of sense touches you and you automatically learn to reinterpret them into their spiritual values. It is possible to reach the heights attained by Jesus when, without his even knowing that she was there, the woman who passed through the thong and touched the hem of his robe was healed. Jesus was living in such a high state a spiritual consciousness that he's not even aware of a sick woman near him because of his years of training he was able to lift himself into that exalted state so that without any conscious thought he did not see any error to deny when you arrive at the state of consciousness where you never see yet taste or smell any form of error are then in a state of consciousness where your meditation and your prayers are wordless but you can be assured then that you will be meditating and praying all the time the one divine consciousness called God is your individual consciousness and why there are no degrees to it there are degrees of our awareness of it that is because the word I when the word I was used to identify a human being that was when a mind apart from God was set up and that is the experience of the prodigal you see if you look at I the really I the true I in you is the God in you. That's why you have to be careful what comes after I because you are, you are writing something in, in your mind. You are writing it in your mind when you refer to the I. But when we start with, when man starts identifying with the I, then that is when, that is when we, God, we set ourselves apart. We have man and then we have God when the word I was used to identify a human being that was when a mind apart from God was set up but we know there is no mind apart from God because we live in him this one's essence we live in him our spiritual self live in him but we identify I this and I that but it's you know I nothing is God. We are afraid of new projects at work because they, we feel that we can't do it. The I in us can't do it. But if you look at new projects, if you look at things, challenging things, as the God in you could do it. The God in you are doing it through you. He does the work. That's what the scripture said. He do it. He does the work. So when you look at that eye, he's the one. It says, he perform it. You think you, you have been given this job or this work to do or you have been given this responsibility. Yet the scripture says, he perform it. He does it. So if you feel you can't do it, that is your 
human eye put in a limitation but you of course you can do it you can do deadly squat but god can working through you he performed the thing that he appointed for me whatever he appointed for you whatever gifts he given you whatever he perform it he working through you perform it you get me cuz god grace is sufficient for me so don't be afraid of challenges relax into it and know that don't let nothing startle you don't let nothing frighten you he perform it he perform it the work you could do it because actually he is performing it through you so you can do it so once you recognize that that you don't have to be mr brilliant that you don't have to be mr scientist you could relax into that you could relax and let that responsibility drop from your shoulder and just trust god If I tell you some of the things that I do in the name of the our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ha, I look back to that and say glory and my God, you know you didn't do what one of those things is a God in you does it. The God in you. Amen, amen, amen. I think I will stop here tonight.